I mean, that's his job, but right. I'm not really giving him credit for helping Skinner score on there. No, I mean, if you're giving anybody credit on that play, it, it, it's Marcus Johansson because the play he made before all that was. Yeah. But no, seriously, like that Marcus Johansson play was like hockey porn. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that was. The second he picked that up and picked that up, he danced around the guy at the defensive blue line, comes down the wall, speed, pulls up on the defenseman, and just puts it right on Skinner's tape. That shot was. The shot was insane. I was right on like yeah. his shooting, his shooting line. That was insane, but still, everything before that. Okay, here we go. In three, in two, and one. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Beyond the Blade, episode 107. 107, and this one, I promise, will be in a much better mood. We'll get into that shortly, but I am your co-host, Chad Didimenesis, and as always, joined by Mr. Anthony Chandra and Bill Shockey. Boys, what in the world is going on here? Quite a pleasant surprise, huh? <laughs> Jeez Louise. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's insane. I mean, yeah. that's why. Sorry, but I, I mean, that's why we prefaced the last week, right? With uh, all the things that we talked about, and then uh, you got to stop and say, "Hey, it's hockey. You never know." Right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I was at a wedding yesterday uh, during the game, and uh, someone came up to me, and it sounded like they said, "You know, tied at one after the second. I, I kind of like made a face, and the guy goes, "Wow, man!" Like. You're you're that like into your take about them being bad that you're like upset about this. I'm like, well, they're they're tied. He goes, no, I said five to one after the second. I'm like, oh, in that case, I'm quite excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I told you guys before the podcast, I had the I had the office joke here, and I kind of kind of feel like we're we're like, remember that it's a very important scene and a lot of gifts from it. You'll see on Twitter, but I feel like we're. David Wallace and Charles, Charles Minor right now, and the Sabres on Michael Scott, and just walked in and be like, "Well, well, the turntables," and like we're just sitting there with dumb looks on our face. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's only two games, but it's like, I don't know. I mean, I'm happy to look stupid about a team that turns out to be good. I mean, don't get me wrong; I, I, I would much prefer to be wrong than right about this team. But mm-hmm. you know, it's I, I'm not going to be. I'm not going to at all be Debbie Downer here, but you know, just well, I'm not. I'm also not going to say this 57 times that it's just two games, but so I'll get out of the way now. Yep. It's just two games. You played against Pittsburgh, who has a really bad defense. You played against New Jersey, who's really not that good, and they're play and they're back to back nights, and the backup goaltender, and they have a long game against Winnipeg the night before, and then you're going to play Columbus tomorrow night, and they're probably not very good. So 
I don't know. I feel like like for a couple of weeks here, which is kind of makes sense how season goes. A couple of weeks to a month, we're not really going to get a full pulse of what this team really is. But you know, so so far so good. There's no denying that. Mm-hmm. I mean, hey, it's kind of like the Bills the first couple of weeks, right? If you right. can uh, win the games you're supposed to, yeah. you never know what'll happen. Right. But yeah, I mean, to your point, it's I don't I don't think Blackwood is that good either. I, I they were up what four no. nothing before Schneider got hurt and then blew a four nothing lead. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But yeah, I mean. I, I think it really goes back to just the the domination that they're showing. It's for me, I, I tweeted out the other day too. It's you know, I have two games in a row where they showed up in the first period. They showed up ready to play and they dominated and kind of just never stopped. Uh, and I think that's kind of the surprising thing for me and surprising in a good way, which is exciting to talk about and, and kind of get into here. Yeah, I mean Anthony, I'm sure you got this question a lot, and even Bill, you know, on the on the blade account that I've got. You know, a lot of people asking you know, what's the sustainability of this? You know, like, does this look kind of like the 10-game winning streak or is there some realness behind it? And I, in in a way, there's some realness behind it. I mean, just quickly looking at the fancy stat numbers, they're from Evolving Hockey, and this is score-adjusted. So, you know, we'll, we'll get into score-adjusted later. But uh, their expected goals per 60 percentage is first in the league. Their second lowest expected goals against per 60. Uh, seventh highest expected goals for percentage. They have the second lowest shot attempts per 60, sec- third highest shot attempts per 60, and you have a power play that rolls at like 66% right now. Like, so, I mean, <laughs> you had all that up. And yes, those are that's all sustainable. Yeah, right. That's pretty <laughs> – is it sustainable? I don't know, but it's also not the same thing as the 10-game winning streak where like almost all those games went to overtime and you were right. like trailing in every single one of them and your goaltender had to play crazy in most of them. Right, yeah. I mean, you talk about this. I have been asked that question on sustainability, and it's just like, well, it's two games. It's really hard to tell. You know what I mean? Uh, at face value, yeah, like you just said, that there's obvious differences in how they're winning. But again, I mean, really, really tough to to make that determination after two games. But like Bill said earlier, I mean, beat the bad teams, which is or beat the teams you should beat, I guess I should say. Uh, and that's something they have not done and did not do under Phil Housley. So. Yeah, so far so good. Especially in the way they're doing it now, right? Mm-hmm. Right. The one I guess I would... my eye, sorry to cut you off, Bill. No, uh, the cut my eye yesterday was kind of New Jersey would score, and then usually you kind of get that oh last year where they like mm-hmm. twice they like replied right back right away within a few minutes. Yeah, and I, I think the other thing for sustainability is the things that why we were so down in the preseason podcast and all the things we talked about. <laughs> they're doing it in spite of it right now and looking really good doing it. And to your point, they're doing it while making the underlying numbers look great. Um, so can it be sustainable? Yeah, I mean, I think they'll definitely come back down to earth, probably not after Monday's game. But uh, I think, like you said, I mean, Risto playing 23 minutes a night, mm. <laughs> Scandella being in the t- top uh, right hand of one of your favorite charts. Right. Uh, so now he's the best defenseman ever, apparently. <laughs> so, so I, I mean, and in spite of all those things kind of happening and Saboka sticking on the second line, um, if, if they can somehow, even a bad team, win seven to two, you might have something here. Yeah, and I, like we were talking about uh, before the show a little bit, if that is sustainable, right, and if this keeps going the way that Kruger has it constructed, it's just such. And, and everybody knows I was not a Phil Housley fan. I may have even overestimated how good of a coach he was, and I couldn't stand him. I mean, if, if Kruger is doing this, you know what I mean, J- just how he's got it configured. And if he continues to have this type of success, it just exemplifies 
how bad a house it was, which might be even worse than I thought, which is saying something. Yeah, and you no, know, that's I think that's one of the interesting. I mean, go back to what we said in the last podcast, where we pointed out the flaws, but we said, but you can beat those things if you have a few guys have career years. If your right. coach turns out to have a pretty good system, players buy into it. If your power play is stupid good, like, mm-hmm. and so far through two games, we have those things. So you have if Carter Hutton has a nine three nine save percentage, right? And I mean, that, I guess I'll get to this point now. I mean, he's not really facing anything. Right. High danger shots against per sixty, six lowest in the league right now, four point five per per sixty. He's only faced five high danger shots at five on five <laughs> in the first two games. Last year at five on five, he faced 13 high danger shots in the first two games. So we're kind of you're you're getting a difference here. And it's it's a whole system thing that Kruger has going and you know, being around the players yesterday, listening to them talk after the game, it's it's kind of I mean, it's not surprising, but it's interesting to hear and kind of crazy, like how much he's got these guys to buy into it and go along with it. You know, there's, right. there's been the issue of, you know, people have always said, well, these guys listen to the coach. You don't buy in. I never believe that. I think it's just, I think you have the right coach that gets the right message through that the players don't buy in. It's you, you implement the right system, which the system they're playing now, we, we've heard two or three coaches tell us they want to play fast and play aggressive. We haven't seen that. We're now we're seeing it with this team, with this coach. So it's, you know, if, you know, I'm not, I'm not ready to proclaim Kruger as some mystical, you know, coach of some kind, but you know, through two games, it's impressive what he has them doing. And it's impressive the system he has them playing and defensively neutral zone aggressiveness on the four check aggressiveness, you know, the cross ice passing. And there was points last yesterday. They had just, New Jersey running all over the zone because they were whipping the puck around the zone. It wasn't just on the outside. It was cross ice through the slot. So, you know, if, if they can maintain that and that offense, and there's going to be bad nights in here mixed in. I mean, it's 82-game mm-hmm. season. They're going to have a handful of bad games, and it might even be Monday. Maybe Columbus steps up and they have a rough game Monday, but it is what it is. But I, I guess I can say I'm encouraged so far, even though it's so mm-hmm. early. Yeah, like you just said, they're not going to get 164 points this season. Uh, right. You know, they're, they're going to challenge accepted. Challenge accepted. <laughs> yes. Um, but but yeah, I mean, for I guess as much as you can take away from two games, I can't imagine a better start. You know what I mean? They everything's going well. I mean, you know, that's great. I hope uh, hope they maintain it. I, I, they've surpassed expectations to this point, which is like I don't know how much value that I want to put on that, but I'm, I'm really happy. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. And, and kind of, we were talking about it before the podcast. It's like, they're kind of in a, kind of a deeper way to think about it. They're kind of like doing what Bilesman wanted them to do. And I was telling you that before. Yeah, Chad. It's mm-hmm. actually yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're They have the fast play. They're quick up the ice. They're not, you know, the back and forth passes between the defense. They're just yeah. getting it up and going long passes. And, but they're, like you said, and your reply, they're hitting on those. They finally have guys that can actually make those passes. Um, right. Now, if I could just throw it. Josh George is doing that, right? It's yeah. <laughs> I, the, only, yeah the only thing I can ask for now is uh, it's like the old days where David Legwan kept getting the breakaways. If we could stop having the fourth line, get the breakaways. <laughs> that'd be wonderful. But, uh, I mean, Reinhardt's goal was beautiful yep. on his breakaway. So I thought I had one didn't he? he uh, yeah, he shot it. I think he just got in too tight. He tried yeah, to he lift it, but threw it in his glove. Yeah. So, I mean, he had him. He went down. He just he got in too tight. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's just they're firing all cylinders, and it's kind of they're, the creativity is letting them flow. And it, if they can kind of, you know, bottle this and continue with 
like you said, there's going to be nights where there's mistakes and things aren't going to go great. But if you just let them still be them and let your – you have so many players now that are high draft picks. Let those guys just go be themselves and, and use utilize this high-end skill that you drafted them to have or to be. Um, I mean, they can carry you to a certain point at least for sure. Yeah, and I think some of the crazy thing is too, like <clears throat> like I to this point, I, I don't think Colin Miller and Dalene have played their best hockey yet. And Dalene has four points on the season. I don't think by any means he's been great. You know, he's made some great plays, but I don't think he's carried cons- great consistency through any of these two games. Uh, I mean, Jimmy VC really hasn't done much. Kind of Sherry had one good game. Uh, Middlestead had one good game, and then I think kind of maybe came back a little bit, but I didn't really hear for much from a New Jersey game, which it wasn't the end of the world. But it's, you know, you're you're clicking on all cylinders, but still in one sense, I think can kind of be encouraging is some of your, I mean, your big line, your top line is really rolling. Reinhardt Olofsson's going to score like 55 goals this year. <laughs> and Eichel, I mean, they're they're going, but, you know, those other lines really, besides maybe the Larson line, I, I could say like, so the two lines really aren't clicking, I think, at 100% yet. So I kind of think, like, you're doing this, you're playing this well, and then your best defenseman isn't playing his best hockey necessarily either, and you're still winning, and he's still producing. So kind of imagine if when they start to get going, you know, like there could be an even better sign of things to come. Uh, you know, I, I like uh, on that second line how, how Johansson and Skinner are kind of getting a little bit of a rapport there. Uh, but, yeah, like you said, the, those those two middle lines – over two games, which again, small sample size, I've been a little bit inconsistent, not clicking quite as crazy well as the first line. And we kind of knew that the fourth line had some semblance of, you know, cohesion there from last year. They were year. really good yeah. last year. Yeah, they were, they were, but, but if, I mean, their, their usage isn't at 84% D zones. So right. I think exactly. it's an important note here. You know what I mean? They yeah. were so effective last year because that was their niche, right? I mean, you knew what they were doing. They had one job to do. Yeah. Uh, but I, mean, I don't think you saw cool. my tweet yesterday being at the wedding. Anthony. There was a tweet I put out like, oh, and Larson offensive zone start alert. And then they scored 30 seconds later. Like, yeah. And, and that's kind of the thing that I know some people wanted to see. I don't know. Well, I do know. <laughs> that was that was as con that was condescending as hell um, <laughs> but the the idea of you have to start your defensively capable players in the d zone is kind is a pseudo myth to me you know what i'm saying i don't think that's necessarily the case i think you can have a little more flexibility at least more than phil housley recognized last year starting them at 84 percent um so i kind of like what kruger's doing in that regard I yeah, mean, that's, that's the, a big, if yeah. you like think about it from a different point of view, you're you have your high school guys that are good at getting the puck out of the zone and skating with it and entering exactly the offensive zone. So of course they'd be okay, presumably in the defensive zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that that's the one thing. Kind of, <laughs> I'm not frustrated because it's a bad thing, but I mean, it, I, you know, I mean, well, it's a good thing in a way. But really, we haven't got an idea of what his strategy is defensive zone faceoffs because there really hasn't been that many. Right. Neither Pittsburgh and New Jersey have been able to sustain any type of offense, which means you don't get defensive zone faceoffs, so the puck is not in that end long enough. Mm-hmm. So it's, I mean, I think it was in Pittsburgh, Ristol and McCabe took most of them defensively. And then I think last night, like, no no player had over two. Like, I think, like, I forgot who it was that had two. Um, it was were forwards. Everyone else had, like, one or less. So it's, you know, it's, I mean, if he's going to spread that out, good. So. You know, good for that Larson line, you know, to kind of get some opportunity. And I think they've they've played really well. I, Kyle Oposo looks better. 
So that's that's good. I still think at times he struggles with speed, but he doesn't nearly look like there's any cement in his skate. So maybe maybe Anthony, like you said last podcast, maybe he did get some rocket boots and you put them on post so somehow without us noticing. I, that's that's it's funny, low key the biggest surprise for me so far. Uh, just, just I I, I uh, watched the replay of the game from yesterday, and and you know obviously I was able to see the first one live. Yeah, I don't know what got into Kyle Oposo, uh, but it, just looking at him in the preseason, he just looked like he, he looked injured. Yeah. It's just so crazy. Yeah. I, yeah. So the rocket skates, the prototype A is working out really well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll see if it can continue. And we kind of talked about if you're not going to scratch him, at least even though he's making what he's making, putting him in that role where for now at least he's doing okay and, and giving you what you would need in that role, money aside. Right. I mean, you showed last year and, you know, I wrote about it kind of before the season started is if he's on the team still, I mean, that the role I think he has to play, he's not, he can't really play up your lineup. I mean, maybe for a game or two with injuries, maybe if you have to, you're pinched, but it's not the player he is anymore. And, you know, I, I think he fits with Gergensen's and, and Larson. I'll say same thing about Gergensen. You know, it's always, it's funny. Like you always like write him off. You're like, well, Curtis Cesar, Tate Thompson, maybe they deserved it. But I mean, Gergensen just, just does his job. Like it's not flashy. It's nothing crazy. But, you know, him and Larson, they have a rapport. They're good against the wall. They're strong in the forecheck. And Oposa's the same way. And they're both solid defensively. I mean, I mean, they, they shut down Jack Hughes, which I don't know if that's necessarily that difficult yet, but they did that yesterday. And, they scored a goal and you know that they're maintaining possession too. And like, it's funny. Like Oposo has like, I think like the best, like on the team is like the best expected goals per 60, like percentage or something like that. So it's like, <laughs> so it's, it's crazy. That line's going, that line's, you know, effective for them. So it's, if you can kind of have, you know, the ability as the coach to just be able to roll four lines because they're all going, or at least not one of them is killing you. Um, you know, that, that gives, especially early in the season, you know, that goes a long way, and, and that's good. And the same thing goes in the blue line. Every single pair is going right now. Mm-hmm. Ristolainen and McCabe look awesome. I mean, as much as I've hammered on Ristolainen, there's maybe the two best games I've seen him play in a long time. And I, thought, I thought he was very good in the Jersey game. He made some great passes. He didn't really have any issues. He had one play where I kind of critiqued, but it wasn't a big deal, where he came around the net, and then he kind of, like, jammed it. And that was a whistle where he had a tired Devils team on the ice, and he had – reinforcements coming off the bench. Like I think like two forwards under the zone where he picks up his head, goes up the wall. He can continue the possession, but it's not the end of the world. But other than that, I mean, I, I thought he's, he's been fantastic. Yeah. He, uh, he's played really well. Uh, even, even Marco Scandella looks okay. Yeah. And, uh, Henry Yokiharu. Right. Exactly. <laughs> no, Chad, it's the system. Definitely not <laughs> the fact that he's with Yokiharu. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, it's 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 all good stuff, and and you know, I'm, it's as exciting as it can be. And I know I keep saying this, but two games, I'm I'm stoked. It's it's really neat. I, I'm, I guess I'm more intrigued just to see how it's not going to be sustainable to the crazy levels. You know, a lot of the stuff is at now, but I want to see who really thrives under this system in an 82 game season, right? And you're seeing that guys are capable of it in short stints here. Um, but I'd like to see how that how the trends continue, and if you know the bad players from last season start to regress a little bit, or, or how kind of how that all works out, or you know maybe he really has cracked the code on something, and he's got two really really positive impact players in in Johansson and Skinner, and they're going to drag up a guy like Svoboda with him, you know, just against his own will, so to speak. Yeah, so, right. Yeah, it's kind of neat. So I guess before we hit our commercial break, I'll, I'll, and after that, it'll kind of be a lot of fan questions. 
So I guess I'll, I'll pose this question to you guys before we get to that. If you get this type of style of play, this aggressive style, this upbeat, you know, fun sort of hockey to watch, if you will, but it results in an 87 to 90 point season. I mean, that still isn't a success to you guys, even though it's not a playoff season. Am I right? I'm, that's Ryan. I'm curious, kind of your guys' thoughts. Yeah, a hundred percent. Shoot, I mean, you're you're asking a guy who predicted an 81 point season. Uh, <laughs> if I'd take 90, yeah, it'd, it'd be a huge success, especially if if uh, you know systematically, this looks like an awesome system under Kruger. Uh, you're you're dropping so much dead weight. Hopefully, as long as they don't resign any right. of them um, after the season, right? So you're kind of implementing that with with the guys from Rochester who are, have been playing a, a better system under Taylor, right? Uh, and you've got fillers coming up in that regard. So, yeah, uh, I would consider that a massive success. 90 points would be crazy. I think for me, the question would be a lot more interesting if they put up low to mid-80s last year. Because <clears throat> then mm. you might get fans where, you know, that it would be a you know a closer of a point total over two years. But then again, I don't know that Halsey would have been gone if that was the case. So, right. I mean, yeah, I, I think – Subjectively thinking about it, of course, as long as we're seeing the progression that we kind of haven't even seen with the lack of wins, um, man, if we can get some fun hockey and, you know, like you guys have said, upbeat and, and some scoring and keep Reinhardt's second goal just keeps going through my head too. That snipe and a half. Yeah, we got it. If he if he adds that to his repertoire, like. that's why. Because <laughs> what was it last year or two years ago? He said he was working on a shot. Yep. Almighty, if he can start pulling those out of the hat. Yeah, Look I mean, out. maybe my maybe my thirty goal projection. I think I had on die with a blade might not be crazy. Like back <laughs> up the Brinks truck. Yeah, Jesus. But yeah, so I, I mean, it, yeah, I think so. I think it'd be fine. I think it go. It depends on how the division goes too. Like if you just get a tough division, it is what it is. But uh, I think what you're really going to look for this year is like you guys said, progression. Uh, maybe it's a goaltending that lets you down. I think the the big question is still going to be what happens when those top two lines hit a hit a rough spot. You know. Mm-hmm. And can your third and fourth line start to give you something? Because last year, you know, the fourth line was really good defensively, but the problem was you're getting absolutely zero secondary scoring. Um, but like you said, all good up to this point. All right, so we'll take our we'll take our only we'll say our first break, but our only break here. Uh, throw that in here now. So after that, we get back. Um, we ask for some fan questions. We'll kind of let that drive our discussion here in the second half of the podcast. So. Stay tuned here, 30-second break, and we will be back after that. Alrighty, welcome back, Sabres fans. Maybe even some non-Sabres fans, but listeners of the podcast, we appreciate it. Uh, so like I said, before the break, we are going to let the fan questions, uh, kind of guide us through here. So Bill, in a sense here, takes over as the podcast mediator, if you will, kind of directs the conversations with the questions. So Bill, I will hand the microphone to you and let's see what the peeps are, are thinking about these days. What do the peeps want? So I'll throw the first one out. Uh, we talked about this one, TS Hockey. What are some observations that make you think this is sustainable? So check mark there. Um, so I guess I'll go classic Sabres fan reaction with Greg Hack. With the parade route, will it be down Delaware or Elmwood? <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the questions I was going to ask you guys in the beginning, and I forgot. So I think 
Ah uh, man, I go down Delaware, right? I think you go on Delaware, right? I mean, that, that kind of makes sense. That. Oh yeah, I think it's more centralized, right? I think I think I think that's a move. Right in the heart of the city. I mean, yeah. you can go right down Elmwood too, and then like you can get like through Allen and stuff like that. So I don't know. I mean, I guess you can do something with Delaware, but it's not like the, it's not like the upbeat part of Allen, if you will. So I, I don't, right. I don't know. It's it, it's it's tough. I, I think, I don't know. There could be arguments both ways. I'll say that. So we could always shelf it for uh, <laughs> a later time. Right. I mean, I mean, we have we have a long time to plan it. I mean, we have a long time. I mean, we we already know that they're going that we need to plan it. So I think this kind of you know, two games into the season, I, I think we have, you know, like 100 games or so to kind of figure it out. So that, that was nice for them to give us that opportunity. Yeah, it's not like Toronto where theirs has been planned for six years straight. I mean, <laughs> we're new to this. <laughs> uh, I see. Done. All right, another uh, pop-up question for you guys. Mike, is Rasmus Darwin too good at hockey? <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, but not yet. I think he still has more to give. But he, eventually he will be too good at hockey. Yeah, I think it's like we said last week, right? Just imagine if he's doing this now, what he's going right. to do when he's like he got four 20. points in two games and he's not even playing that well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's go with <clears throat> Roy Har. What do we make of Risto's team-leading time on ice? When is a reduction of minutes coming? When Rasmus develops. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, no, I know. <laughs> I don't know. Hopefully soon, uh, after he's traded for Nikolai Ehlers, I was trying to—I was trying so hard to hit the Nikolaj right from Brooklyn Nine-Nine <laughs> that I messed up Ehlers. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Whatever. When he starts playing bad, because he's—he's played pretty well. I'm not going to mm-hmm. be too upset about it, but it, it, I hope they don't sustain that uh, type of distribution. Yeah, I, I agree with Anthony. I'm not going to complain about it now. I, I think Jake McCabe's playing some of the best hockey he's played. In a while too. Hopefully, you can stay healthy. Um, you know that that pair is going. They're they're, you know, whatever. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, I, I eventually I think Dalene's going to be your guy. You're going to go to, but you know, what's the catchy phrase these days? Load management. So if you can kind of not run Dalene into the ground early, maybe that'll help later. Especially for a guy I kind of talked about at the end of last season. Yeah. You know, it was kind of tough for him. So yeah, if Risto's going, McCabe's going, then I guess let him go. But long term, that's definitely not what I want them rolling out there for 82 games. That's for sure. Yeah, and this kind of rolls in with Matt Kramer's question. Do you think they shuffle things up, i.e. Rodriguez for Saboka, or keep things the same because they've won two? I mean, I think they kind of just keep rolling until they lose. Yeah, they don't change anything mm-hmm. until there's any sign of trouble at this point. I, I think at the first sign of trouble or maybe a not-so-great game, even though if they win maybe, then they'll get Rodriguez in there. Because I do think Kroger wants to get him in there. Um, but it, it won't be – it's often not going to be against Columbus. I'll be pretty surprised. Agreed. Uh, so with Kobe. Dominated two-week teams. When they go against real contenders, do you think they'll revert back to last season's form? Mm. Kind of a tough one. I hope it's, not. It's right. I mean, it's <clears throat> here's the thing. Like, hockey's not like football. You know what I mean? Like, mm. I mean, any. I, mean, I didn't give it on any team, any team, but realistically, like the Miami Dolphins are not going out there and beating the New England Patriots. But I mean, it, the Ottawa Senators or whoever the worst team in the league is could go out and beat. The Toronto Maple Leafs or whatever, you right. know what I mean? Like it's there more parody, right? I mean, and, and it's anything can happen in a game. There's a, there's a lot more fluidness to it. There's back to backs. There's a lot of factors that go into it. So it's it's tough. So I, I wouldn't. I don't know. It, it, it's the hard question to answer. I mean, what is their first? I'm trying to look at the schedule really quick. I don't even know what their first Montreal Wednesday. I guess 
Yeah, right? I, I guess I mean, that's their first difficult yeah. game, if you want to say. So. I mean, pick your poison, that one or, or Friday against Florida. All right. I mean, but I mean, you could look at it. I looked at, I was looking at numbers today, and I think like Montreal has allowed, a, I think it was what it was, they allowed like the most, they're the highest expected goals against in the league right now. So like mm-hmm. they're allowing a lot of opportunities, but that defense really isn't that great, Montreal. So no. it's not surprising. So I don't know. I don't, it's hockey, man. So who knows? I mean, I'm curious to see how they play against better teams, that's for sure. So I guess we'll see, but that's a pretty tough question to answer, to be honest. Well, funny thing about that, real quick, too, it'll be interesting to watch what happens because Montreal plays Wednesday, Thursday. You might not even get price. Mm. Mm. Is Niami still there? Mm, I'm not sure, honestly. Yeah, not a big deal. Either way. Eddie Wood will be not as good as Price. So that'd be no, they beat Price like two or three times last year, didn't they? Yeah. Didn't Price get pulled in the one game? Oh, no, they, they put like six. That was a 6-5 Bristol game. They put up six on him. The Canadian's backup is Keith Kincaid. That's, oh, right. that's right. Kincaid, Kincaid went over. That's right. That's right. righty. Let's go to another easy one. Ashwinder, top line, 102.5 points, taking the over and the under. And Anthony, I know, fouled up. <laughs> an important question on this one. <laughs> Uh, so 102 points combined. So that was Anthony's question because he said, <laughs> "If it's forty each, I'm hard. taking the hand. <laughs> I'm taking the the over." Um, I think that would have been like 41 points each, right? Yeah. But he meant he meant individually is how he replied. Uh, well, under, but I mean, not by much. No, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> I mean, what if we? What if, like what? If we, okay, so let's do this. So realistically, Eichel 95. Skinner or Skinner. <laughs> See, it's in my head. Um, <laughs> Reinhardt, 75. You could score more. And then what? Let's say conservatively 45 mm-hmm. for That's, That's 215 points. So, yeah. We'll get more than that. Olsen's in, like I said, Olsen's going to have like 60 goals this year. So, if that, it, it, it keeps going up every time I say it. So, if that's the over under, I think I, I would still take the over at 215 points. I think so. It's gonna be it's gonna be hilarious when Sam Reinhardt leads a team in points this year. Just saying. Chad's <laughs> gonna rub it in everybody's face. Oh my god, yes. I I'm gonna I'm gonna join his agency and help him get paid. <laughs> no, wait, can I can I say something kind of interesting right now? So we we, we asked is Niemi still there? Do you know where Niemi is? I had to Google it because I Isn't didn't... he in is he in is he in the KHL? Uh yeah, he's with Jokerit. Jokerit. Jokerit, yeah. Yeah. Finland, right? The Finnish. So I was like, I don't think he's in the NHL anymore now that I think about it. And mm-hmm. sure enough. I thought I remember oh. seeing a picture of him after I said, is he with Montreal still in the KHL? Right. How the mighty have fallen, huh? <laughs> right. The mighty anti Niemi. <laughs> cup winner, that's right. That's true. First Blackhawks Cup, I believe. Alrighty. <clears throat> Moving on. Let's go to what happens when Rontor comes back. Everyone's playing good, even Scandella. Do you think they trade Risto and put Montour with McCabe, or do you think they make the mistake of sending down Yokiharu? That is from Jimmy. That is exactly what... Oh, God, I'm trying not to sound like a pessimist, because they're 2-0. Oh, I, I don't know. I don't. Pes- you still have three to four me. weeks. You do. Somebody will be playing bad. Somebody could get hurt. Or someone get hurt. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think as is, though, if I had to bet, I would bet they're going to... They would wave him. Or not wave him. I'm sorry. Send him down. I, I, don't, I think they send Gilmore honest. down. They'd send Gilmore down and keep him. See, the, if, well, well, who gets scratched then? Hang on, let me ask well, you. Then the rotation? I, it, yeah, the rotation. I, I don't know. Mm. I, I don't. They I, shouldn't send him down ever, but I just have this weird like gut feeling. Yeah, it'll. Yeah, I don't know. I, it'll be interesting. It'll. Yeah. I mean, it, the thing that also. They're going to wave Montour. 
No, I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that make no, me nervous is, is Pilot like getting back up anytime soon. That kind of worries Helps. how good the defense is playing. Right. Unless Scandella goes, way to go, goes back into Scandella mode, which could happen. And you got injuries. You never know. Yeah, especially if other people besides Taylor Hall start taking runs at McCabe. Oh my God, poor Taylor <laughs> Hall. Like, yeah, that him. was that was a terrible idea. It was right in front of the press box too, and I saw Hall coming. Like, oh God, yeah. All righty, Clip, Kip Fairclough. Y'all's thoughts on the four lines <laughs> now that we've had? I had to keep that in there. I like that. <laughs> had a sample of them. What do you guys get? What did you guys get right or wrong? And what do you think the underlying stats say about the projected success or not of each of the lines? Well, Kip, let me tell you, sir. <laughs> uh, yeah, again, uh, t- two games. It's really, it's really, really tough. I mean, they look great. I mean, you know, they, they look as good as they can. Um, uh, what did we get wrong? I, I don't know. No, it's tough to say. I mean, they look, they look, the best defenseman on the ice. Right. Well, yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> when you're talking about such a small sample size, it's so difficult to to put a finger on. Well, I really blew that projection. It's like, well, okay. You know, I could think of a two-game stretch last year where Kyle, where Kyle Loposo played really well. I think it was probably maybe early November. He had maybe a three- or four-game stretch where he had four points in four games. And he, End of the know, season, he played well, too. Right. And it's just kind of, you know, I don't know. Maybe. If it keeps going like this, I got a lot of stuff wrong. <laughs> well, <laughs> but, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, again, it's, it's hard right now. Um I don't know. Are, are you baiting me? I guess is, is it a bait for a Saboka question in a way? Yeah, the so Saboka thing. Yeah. yeah, it's um, I don't know because to be honest, I thought he was their worst forward against Pittsburgh. Uh, he was. I don't think any forward was necessarily bad against New Jersey. Uh, if I'm going to say anything, I think VC is maybe the worst forward against the Devils. Hmm. So I don't know, but. I what is Saboka doing for me? I don't know. I, I, he, again, this gets back to the preseason thing where it's like, congratulations, you're not terrible, but you're not doing anything for me either. You're just, that's the problem. You're there, right? I mean, like, it is while the team is winning and they're doing well and he's not a mess, that is true. But also, I think equally true and possible and probably more likely is if you just put Evan Rodriguez in this spot, I think you probably have a better team. So I, I think both can be true where he's not a disaster, even maybe necessarily even playing poorly. I still think you could be better if you took him out and put Rodriguez in. I yeah. And I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm not saying the question is geared this way because it, you know, that, that stuff to tell, but it, I, it kind of is annoying to me. The, the kind of, Oh, when it, the team's two and zero, right? And you get the question like, so how about Saboka on the second line? looks like you were wrong about that. It's like, well, well okay. He's still probably discernibly one of the bottom two forwards, I think, over the last two games. And, uh, oh, I mean, okay, but it's still it would, it would still be better with Evan Rodriguez. It's, that's not an incorrect point, and that's kind of the whole point everyone was making. It wasn't that, like, you know, I mean, I know we've done our, all our fair share of uh, Sabotka bashing, especially over the summer, but it, it was more about the fact that a better alternative exists. Just because the team is 2-0 doesn't mean that they that, like, we just have to ignore that now. It's like nope, they're winning. So everything that you, every issue you have with the players off the table because they're winning. It's like, well, no, that's not how that works. You know, they, they could be even better. 
I think it, it goes into the Buffalo sports mentality a little bit where like if they're winning, it's good enough to shut up and deal. Like it's with the bills right now and the offense. It's like that, that offense is not good, but it, you know, they're four and one. So you can't say a word about it. Uh, so, so yeah, if that is a, a Sabotka bait question, like, yeah, Evan Rodriguez is still my pick to fill in in that spot. And it's not close. So two things, uh, one, and I guess I don't know this for sure, but I, I think Kip was very careful at how he worded the question. So I'm thinking it's not a Saboka trap. But number two, I think taking a step back. I mean, that's the exciting thing at this point, right, guys? I mean, it's they're doing this now with Saboka as a second line center you know, or second line winger, Scandal playing well right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know necessarily that we'll ever see kind of the things that we want to, but I think that if things start to go, not necessarily off the rails, but obviously not as good as the last two games, um, they can make here that we believe would make the team better. And to me, that's kind of the exciting thing, that they're doing this now through two games with kind of what us had, a, what with what had us screaming or angry uh, just last week before the season started. Right. I mean, that's, like you said, you're winning games. It's a little bit we talked about before, too, but, you know, while you're doing these things, there's still no need. You still can't try to improve your roster, right? Doesn't mean you don't ever touch it or try to improve it. So, you know, the same thing with the wrist lining trade. He's playing good. If some sort of deal from a desperate team early falls in your lap, you still do that. Right. If it improves your roster. So, mm-hmm. Brian, sorry, we kind of wrapped this question up already, but I'll throw it in there. So, I know it's only two games, but the two wins feels better than the whole 10 game winning streak, right? Like they actually are playing sustainable hockey, potentially. Right. I think we touched on a lot of that. I, it, it, I guess it's, I don't know if sustainability is the right word. I think it's real. Maybe, I don't know, I'm going to make up a word here. Realism, I guess. Like it's, they're playing a type of hockey where if you continue to play this hockey, you're going to win a lot of hockey games. Is that, is playing that way sustainable? I don't know. We're going to find out. But it's not like a 10-game winning streak where every game's going overtime, coming from behind. Your goalie's standing on his head, and you're winning lucky, crazy games. So in, in one sense, like we said, yes, it's different. But two, we totally don't know if it's sustainable. Yeah, it, again, I think we've said it like 10 times. Sample size, I mean, it maybe. I mean, if you look at the underlying stuff, and if you wanted to extrapolate it over 10 games, then yes, uh, undeniably so. You know what I mean? It's It's a more sustainable model. but Again, we'll see. Uh, ask me in eight games. Ask me in a month and a half. Well, okay, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like, eight games aren't going to do anything for me either. Ask me in the middle of no, the I, I was, I meant just like to make it a 10 game versus 10 game sample size. Like, sure. it, it's tough to compare. Right. To Fair enough. Time, I guess is what I was getting at. Fair I hate enough. to break it to you, but I think you're going to get asked again when they're 5 and 0 next weekend. They're going to get asked again when they win on Monday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, John. Cozera, kind of rolling it in again, but these are kind of more towards you guys. Past 72 hours, saw a bad, broad spectrum of emotions. I'm glad Thursday seems so distant. Can you provide any insight on where the club is at in terms of use of sports science, biometrics, or granular player tracking compared to other teams? I, I have no idea. No, <laughs> yeah, I cannot advise. Yeah, I mean, what, what I can tell you, if you want some sort of look at they're using some sort of sports science background as they've eliminated game-based skates on home games. They're not having those all season. So Kruger's hmm. kind of buying into that load, load management sports science thing. Um, you know, that's big in soccer. Uh, and even other sports in North America, it's, it's kind of jumped into it too. But I guess in a way I can give you an answer on 
one way maybe you can kind of see maybe they're buying into that is the elimination of game-based skates for home games. Yeah, I, I mean, I've got really nothing to, to add there. Um, I hope so, uh, but I don't have anything <laughs> concrete to say yes or no on that. And that's more with, I, I think I kind of heard about, I don't even remember what I was listening to, but it's it's more with like uh, players who are getting tired and being able to track that based on like how much hydration they're getting in games and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. right? So like practices, if you're not having yeah. as many, ideally you're fresher. Right, sure. All righty. So I guess uh, let's throw in just Rob. Sabres, will this account become exclusively a Johansson and Skinner stand account by Halloween? And right. Uh, I guess it's a question to you, Bill. And Rodriguez. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess that is a question to me. <laughs> uh, let me know. I'll, I'll let you know when I see how good they are when Saboga is not on that one. Ooh, but so far, uh, they're they're definitely getting there. I mean, a top cheddar goal from Skinner with, on a crazy angle definitely uh, takes a step in the right direction. Some of Johansson's passes already have just been seeing eye, to say the least. So all pointing yes as of right now, but luckily I have till Halloween. You <laughs> have eight days, Anthony said, so. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I got two Phil Housley questions. I'll kind of wrap them together because I'm sure Anthony will love to jump in here. He's bad. He's, he wasn't a good coach. All right, next question. No, I'm kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> well, actually, <laughs> Joshua Keller, how bad of a coach was Housley? I know it's only two games, but they've been dominating for two games. If this keeps up, the biggest move of the offseason is it hiring Kruger and Andrew Taro breaking down why we were all talking about Phil Housley last night. Because he's really he was a really bad coach, and this is only yeah. showing that even more. I guess, I don't know, there's really not much into that. Just this showcases it. I mean, you know, at the same time, you know, Kruger's a different kind of coach. Like I said in the beginning, he kind of got players to buy in here. But um, I think he's just not asking him to do too much either. No, no. The system coaches has been a problem. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, you know, I was was talking to Joe Yergen yesterday before the game. I I think he kind of uh, put it in a good way for me is, is he, a lot of people, you know, a lot of the players it's different with Bilesma. You know, there is a player coach issue there. Um, at least in terms of personality and, you know, personalness, I guess you could say. Um from man to man, I think people liked Housley the coach, the guy. Um, but just his systems is just it was, you know, the way he put it is like, okay, we're doing this again. Okay, I guess here we go. It's like, you know, that kind of thing. So I think, you know, there's one guy had a coaching issue where relating to his players one guy had a systematic issue and i think so far uh kruger has been a good mix of both of those um allowing the players to kind of play some creativity within a system that he kind of said is there's a system there but he also has his players to be creative and kind of work within that non-strict i guess maybe is the word you want to use system um so it's working and you know he's a good motivator he's that's one of the reasons he was hired that Bottero liked him. He's good with his players. A lot of the players really like him. So, so far, so good. Um, again, I'm curious to see what happens when things go south, kind of how they rebound. But, you know, I guess you don't, you don't hope for badness, but it'll come eventually. Yeah. If, if you're asking me, <laughs> is, is Kruger better than Phil Housley? It'd be really, really, really hard to be worse. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Phil Housley was a, terrible coach and I think I, I probably nauseated enough people with my ranting about him last year so uh, I'll leave it at that but I think if I will say if uh, Kruger can 
uh, you're not going to sustain what he's done, you know, through these two games. But if he if he can put together a winning product, a playoff contention product with a lot, many, many, many of the same faces, uh, it just exemplifies. It, like I was saying at the beginning, it, I may have underestimated just how bad Phil Housley was, and that is saying something. So, <laughs> yeah. Three questions left. One of them, Chad, I know you prepared for, so I'll save that one for last. So let's have a little fun with these two. <clears throat> this one was kind of already answered on Twitter, but I'll still throw it out there. Kevin, what got into Kyle Postman between the preseason and the regular season, and why is Johan Larson the best forward in hockey? <laughs> Thanks, uh, Kevin, getting into his uh, – Kevin <laughs> is the official president of the Johan Larson Selkie 2020 campaign. Um, so, But, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's really answered. Though. I, I answered on Twitter, but I think that's really it. I, I think Johan Larson happened to Kyle Oposo. So I think he fits with – Larson and Gergensen, he's in a role that fits him. He's being utilized in that system properly, and so far, so good. There's really not a lot to buy into there, but I I really hope people do appreciate Johan Larson for kind of the player he is. I mean, I know he had that really bad year, and I was one of the people that did not want him back after that year, but the last season and now two games, I mean, he has played really good hockey. So hopefully more people that always dislike him want him gone kind of before he leaves, I don't know if how much longer his future will be in Buffalo. Uh, kind of get an appreciation of the player because he's actually really not that bad in the role that he's asked to do. Yeah, I, I think Johan Larson. Huh, you're you're starting to see not starting. I mean, last year you started to see just what what he is, right? What where he what his niche is as a player and and kind of how he's able to bring up those around him. Like Chad said, I think if you'd asked me two years ago, I, I'd have been on that bandwagon to send him out, but. Uh, what it the type of impact he, a player he's shown to be over the last year and and you know continuing into this season uh like you said he's brought up Kyle Laposo he made Zimbus Gergensen's look a lot better I felt last year uh so yeah he's he's uh he's a valuable piece in my opinion all right a little bit of fun with this one Megan wants to know if you guys can rank the team's sweetest boys I'll say <laughs> give me your top three each well Jack is the sweetest boy on the land so. always um, so I guess Eichel goes first. He's the sweetest boy in all the land. Uh, Delaney be second because he's he's a Swede boy because he's from Sweden. Mm-hmm. Um, third, uh, I got I got to go with my boy Samson Reinhardt. You know, I was gonna say if you left him out, he's he's the you know he's he's the sweetest boy in all the lands BFF. So I think that puts him <laughs> that puts him right up there. It's all about who you know. Exactly, exactly. And our our Cinderella sweet boy who is just. Doing chores for his ugly stepsisters is Evan Rodriguez. Golson's <laughs> <laughs> gonna make a case at some point here. Ryan yes. Shotgun now he's, it's the sweet he's from boys. Sweden too. He could be a sweet boy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, Chad. Scott wants to know how do you account for advanced stats in a game that gets out of hand like this in the third period? I would imagine the Sabres weren't trying nearly as hard as they did in the first and second. How is this addressed analytically, secondarily? It would also appear that 23 and 37 did not have very good nights from a stat standpoint. However, both look great to me as I watch the game. Sam potted too. How do you account for stats not reflecting what seemed to be good nights for both players? Yeah, so this is, um, I guess I'll talk a little bit here, then I'll let Anthony kind of jump in of any holes that I miss here. So here's here's kind of the, one of the things, and I think this is a good question with the way the game went last night and kind of if you look at the raw, um, you know, advanced stats, like natural stat trick, wherever you look. Uh, Scott's right. I mean, you see Reinhardt Olofsson, uh, Middlestat, you know, some of those guys are in the bottom, McCabe. 
in the bottom of the uh, possession numbers. But a lot of the things you, you'll see me a lot more these days. I, when I share stuff like with the charts I'm doing now, uh, the final score, the final charts, the game's over, you know, those are score in ven- in venue adjusted numbers. So what that means is basically as Scott was alluding to, a game gets out of hand. So not necessarily even out of hand. Let's say it gets like the three, one in the third period or something like that. So, what will happen in the third period is, in theory, how these numbers are drawn up essentially, is that the winning team um, will back off, not try to push the offense so much, and then the losing team will then be more aggressive offensively and in a way that can kind of draw a, um, I guess, a skew in your possession numbers, your expected goals number, stuff like that. So. That's why I think it's important. Natural Statric has it. Uh, the Twins on their site, a lot of the stuff you look at is already score and venue adjusted. And by venue, that that's like home and away. So, you know, you, they, they put a formula into, you know, I guess in a way boost the road team's numbers and kind of bring down the home team's numbers a little bit because obviously being the home team, you get a slight advantage and stuff like that. So, yeah. And so I think somebody said like it's not accounted for like in the replies and the guy replied, "That's that's not true. It's it's accounted for in those formulas of the score and venue adjusted. So, like in the raw five on five data, like five players were quote unquote negative Corsi players. Uh, when you look at the score and venue adjusted five on five numbers, only one was. So, and I think that's important. I think that's kind of as you jump to the next stage of analytic numbers and." diving into things you kind of be got to be careful stuff like that so you got to be careful looking at game score situational score and kind of maybe more putting a focus on score and venue adjusted numbers to kind of give you a better outlook of how the game went so i don't know did i miss anything anthony yeah i was was just about to say i have no idea what i'm going to add to that uh what chad said uh yeah i mean pretty pretty much right on the nose There's, there's really nothing else i can really say to add value to that um so yes, to answer his question, yeah, the, the numbers get skewed a little bit in that case. Right, and that's why it's important. I mean, and even right. like, I mean, there's there's holes in, I mean, not to go on a long analytics rant here, I mean, there's holes in numbers. I mean, if you're looking at, I, I guess I'll kind of put it to you this way. In in an individual game standpoint, um, I, I think if you're looking at a more measurable number to get a better idea of how a particular player played, I think you kind of want to focus on your possession, your Corsi numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason I say that is because your expected goals numbers can be skewed. And that can be skewed off of one player having a ridiculous, one ridiculous expected goals opportunity. So that can hold their expected goal measurement up the entire game. And those players that were on the ice, uh, that goes in their expected goals against column, and that could skew the numbers down the entire game. So there's things like that you have to be careful for. Um, that doesn't happen often, but it's possible. So I think in an individual game format, you want to look at Corsi. Now, if you're taking like a month's worth of data, we have a whole bunch of stuff for even like however long, beside just an individual game look, then maybe you then want to focus, maybe then your expected goals is kind of a measurement of how well a team is doing. But I think in a, in a particular game standpoint, it, it can be dangerous and a little bit tricky. Right. Exactly. Uh, Again, broken record, but sample size. Right, right. Yeah. 
So there's your quick tour around the analytics world, if you will. Try for question, boys. Good. That was fun. I mean, it's yeah. an, an up, upbeat podcast for fun. Yeah. See, we can we can be a beat. We can be hip. We yeah. can be cool. We know Speaking how to about beat. I got one more thing here I want to throw out there. Okay. If you don't mind. Please. I give a little love to Casey Middlestad in the first game. That first goal that Shiri scores, it's all Casey. Keeps oh, the puck so in good. twice, makes a yep. nice move, hits him to uh, Shiri. Shiri with a nice shot to finish it off. But um, And even on the second one, I'm not sure if it was intentional or not, but that little like – That slap back. It, it looked like – Pass. Yeah. I, I've watched it like 10 times probably. It looked like maybe he was trying to go to his skate because you see as he hit it, he kind of like moves his skate to try to like get it. Yeah. Still, he definitely was trying to hit it back. Like it wasn't luck, but yeah, maybe it was more luck that it ended up on Shiri's stick. But he definitely was going back with it. Just want to give him a little love there, and uh, one more time, at Reinhardt pass, and then the Dalian finish. Oh goal yeah, early goal, goal. Yep. beautiful. That Dalian goal, that was great. I mean, it's Johansson pass was excellent. Um, mm-hmm. Jack Eichel Reinhardt's was out there, was out there breaking Nico Heischer's ankles yesterday. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, they they look good. It's fun. It's exciting hockey. It's hopefully it keeps going. The longer the better. And you know, Bill and I've <laughs> talked about this for a while, and I'm sure Anthony's in the same boat. It's you know, people people always ask me, and even ask me this year. You know, doesn't it get annoying if they're gonna be bad again? And I, my response is always no. I mean, I I know how to cover a bad team. It's all I've ever done. It, it's when they're good. It's when I'm gonna have problems. So we talked about it through the whole ten game win streak. Yeah. we didn't know what to do. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's like that plankton meme from SpongeBob. I don't know. I didn't think I'd get this far. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. That is great. That's the perfect thing. All right, so I'll hit my little spiel here at the end. So uh, make sure you're following uh, the podcast on Twitter at BTB Hockey. Uh, make sure you're following Anthony at Chandra Sports, myself at CM Uh Bill, his Twitter account is at Bill Shockey. Um, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast via iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, um, and really anywhere you can find a podcast. So make sure you are subscribed. And then any ratings or, sh- or sharing of your fellow friends who do not know the podcast yet would be greatly appreciated. Um, and then, of course, making sure you're checking out all the excellent Sabres content on Die with a Blade. Um, you know, SB Nation, of course, is our parental unit, you could say, uh, for this podcast. So making sure you're checking out Die by the Blade for your excellent Sabres content throughout the season. So that is it for this week. There are three games next week, guys. Yep. Monday, Columbus, Wednesday, Montreal, Friday, Florida. Well, there you go. So some couple divisional games in there with Montreal and Florida. So that'll be interesting to see how that goes. So some fun times ahead potentially, but you know, it's going to get busy here. Three game weeks of hockey and uh, yeah. And the team's good. It's fun. And we'll see how sustainable it is. And if it continues, I guess you could say. So for Bill, Chad and Anthony, we're out of here this week. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, Also quickly, I do want to say before we cut out, good job to Anthony. Um, I'm a proud Papa seeing him, run that around the Atlantic series on his own. That was really well done. So congrats to Anthony on the air. Good job with that. I do have a couple more analytics interviews. I am going to get out for my series. My series is not done yet, but it's slightly delayed because the twins right now are just absolutely hammering out stuff on their site. So they're kind of pushed back, but we're going to get one of those twins on here. And uh, there's one more interview after that. We're going to hammer out too. So just so you know, the analytics podcast mini series isn't done yet, 
we'll kind of get to that in a little bit here. So it'll be fun with the twins because I think we're kind of going to talk about all the new things. Really, it's one. I'll give one of the twins. I think it's Josh. Um, we'll talk about all the fun new stuff on their site and what that means. So that'll be an interesting podcast when they in twins. have times. <laughs> the Wizards is what I call them. The Wizards. That's really what they are because those guys are incredible. So, as I was saying, that is it for this week. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, enjoy the hockey. And we will talk next week. And I don't know, maybe we'll have a team that's 5-0 and on our hands or maybe we'll have a team that's 2-3. and three. Hopefully not. So. Mm. <laughs> so, so we'll talk next week, see if the fun continues or how the team goes here. But either way, exciting start. And we will go from there. Thanks for listening. Talk to you later. Thank you.